Hello and welcome to the podcast series, Narcissism Revealed with Dr. Provo. Greetings to all of my listeners, not only around the U.S., but around the globe. With that said, let's tune in to the next episode and welcome our special guest. The name of today's podcast is Innocence Lost, Married to a Narcissist. My next guest is a very interesting guest, and her story is a little different from many of the other stories. Uh, She's going to tell a story of what happens when you grow up in a loving and wonderful, supportive and protective family. Her family nurtured her, they loved her, and they always watched out for her. Once she grew up and went out into the world, she met with a controlling and selfish manipulator. Unfortunately, and in some ways fortunately, she married him. So join us for this very interesting story of growth and maturity and how this guest survived and matured. She has many lessons to share with us. Okay, we'll bring her on now. So hello to my special guest that I have here today for this episode. She is someone that I know professionally, and I am really excited that she is on the show. So I'm going to ask her to introduce herself briefly, and then we'll get started with today's podcast episode. So welcome to you. And if you'd like to introduce yourself to the audience. Hi. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I am in my mid fifties and um, came from a family of four children. I was the baby of four children. And so everyone protected me when I was growing up. Um, I had fabulous parents and a wonderful family and and everyone, because I was a baby kind of watched out for me. And so when I became an adult, I thought that's how the world was, that everyone just watched out for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, I found out, obviously, that that's not exactly how the world is, and was prime pickings for someone who was looking to, you know, mm-hmm. uh, meet up with someone who was um, kind of naive to the world. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you had a really safe and secure beginning And as you said, if you, once you go out there, you were the perfect choice for someone who was manipulative. So you felt like he could see your, your innocence or or any manipulator could see your innocence. I think anyone that was more worldly would, would see my innocence. And I didn't, obviously I didn't know what I didn't know. You know, Mm -hmm, I, I, mm -hmm. I just thought I was ready for the world. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I wasn't, I ended up meeting the person that I married at 17. We got married. At, I was 19. So I was very young, but still I thought I knew what I was doing. And even at the time, my parents kind of tried to get me to wait, you know, slow mm-hmm. things down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, you know, thought, oh, I'm in love. This is great. You know, this is mm-hmm. how life's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because whether your experience is positive or negative, we all project 
our experience onto the outer world. So if you had a harsh beginning, you think the world is harsh, mm-hmm. but if you have a loving beginning, you think the world is, it, it is, you think the world is loving. So th- that's very normal. So in meeting this person um, at 17 and dating, and then um, finally getting married, let's, let's talk about your expectation of what you thought the relationship was going to be. I mean, again, it sounds so naive, but I, I was like the, the Disneyland picture, you know, like you Mm -hmm. meet this perfect person, this wonderful thing, you get married, you live happily ever after. I mean, I just really thought that's how it was going to be and what I envisioned. And my parents actually are still married to this day, married over 60 years. I, I just, you know, um, thought that's how it went. And that's mm-hmm. what I expected. I expected when someone says something to you, they, they mean it. Yeah. I believed it. I, I, I you know, <laughs> I, okay. I didn't expect someone to say something and do something different. And, and I didn't know how to, to, to navigate that. I, mm-hmm. I thought the world was as it appeared, you know, right on the surface. Mm-hmm. And if, if some of your descriptors from your family of origin are love, support, protection, um, and there are many others. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but of course you would assume those would be. And so as you got married at 19, what, what was the first indication that that was not going to be so? Um, you know, it's hard to say in that, again, I, I was so naive that I was very slow on the uptake. I I kind of Mm -hmm. feel like it took me a long time to figure out what was going on. Mm -hmm. And he was, um, slowly, but surely kind of alienating me from my friends, Mm -hmm. um, alienating me from my family, Mm -hmm. um, we did everything he wanted to do as far as, you know, who we went out with as far as friends, vacations, everything was his, his call, you know, Mm -hmm. even down to where we went to dinner. I mean, we, we always went where he wanted to go every every single little thing. And, and I was kind of just a pleaser and, and just went along with it. Mm -hmm. And you don't really see these patterns until at least I didn't see these patterns until years down the road when I realized, oh my gosh, I, I, I don't get to do anything I want to do. I, I don't go anywhere I want to go. I don't see the people I want to see. It took me a long time to even register that that was happening. Mm-hmm. And it is really common. And what we call that in, in psychology, it was like a grooming stage. So you were being groomed and because you were naive and you really thought everything was part of what was normal until it wasn't, it right. took you a while to see your mind didn't work that way. And, and he took advantage of that, it sounds like. And so how long were you married? And I'm going to ask you uh, in just a few minutes for some examples of his a controlling behavior and manipulative behavior, but how long were you married and were there any children involved? So I was married for 28 years and yes, we had two children mm-hmm. and I started to see finally 
that there were serious issues after our second child was born. Mm -hmm. Um, he cheated on me and I Mm -hmm. found out, Mm -hmm. um, and that was one of the first things where I, I couldn't quite navigate what was going on. He would say one thing, he would do another, but I was at least starting to see the cracks in the foundation. I could at least see, Hey, wait a minute, this isn't right. This is so, Mm -hmm. you know, things are wrong. Mm -hmm. And more and more, I started to realize that it was a show of sorts, you know, on his part. Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine the children were part of the glue that kept you there for 28 years, 28 years is a long time to be with that type of personality. And so talk about how the kids uh, uh, influence your decisions. Well, actually, I, I, I might have misspoken that when I, when the first time he cheated on me and I found out I was very pregnant, I was about seven or eight months pregnant with my second one, mm-hmm. hadn't just had him yet, but I was pregnant. So I was in a very vulnerable stage yes. and I, I didn't trust myself to to deal with life on my own, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really acted out of fear, which I'm not proud of today, but it's the truth. And that I was just afraid mm-hmm. of dealing with life on my own and two little kids and, you know, and yes. I was, you know, that's a very emotional, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it that, I mean, you know, I was so pregnant. Yes. <laughs> You just feel like, oh my gosh, what? How could you do this to me now, right now? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it makes perfect sense when you look at your history. Um, and I'm just saying this for the audience: you you come from a loving family, and you're the baby. You never did life on your own. No. You know, I I'm never- the oldest, so I was a little adult. So you know, when you don't have anyone in front of you, but you had siblings in front of you to show you the way that right. were protective and loving. And then you had parents that were protective and loving. So to come into that situation, you wouldn't know how to do life on your own necessarily. I know. I mean, I literally moved out from my parents' home into his home. I never mm-hmm. had an apartment of my own. I never went away to school. I never, I never lived one day on my own, mm-hmm. you know, like with friends or I never had that, that little independent period where you're kind of out of mm-hmm. your out from underneath your parents roof and you know mm-hmm. not in any way shape or form straight from their house to his and mm-hmm. and and it was you know all I knew yeah and it sounds traumatic to then find yourself potentially in the wrong situation right and now all of a sudden not just myself to, to take care of but two young kids um they were you know two years old and, and it, a baby not even born yet. Yes. So, yeah. And how did you begin to, well, before we go there, what are some of the examples the, of his manipulation as you began, your eyes began to open? What were some of the things you began to see and what was your response? One one thing was that if I ever did try to stand up for something, um, he would give me the silent treatment. He would be very pouty. He would, he would really, I just 
go overboard until I relented. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I, I didn't really know how to deal with that. I, you know, it, it was seemed like, oh, okay, well, if it's that important to you, but it was just again and again and again on everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I had no boundaries. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know how to stand up for what was important to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, in reality, I almost didn't know what was important to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I was so young and he was kind of molding me along the way, like, oh, what, what it's important to me should be important to you. And I kind of bought that, mm-hmm. that mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I would try to stand up for something, he would, he would really be so difficult that I would kind of cave and give mm-hmm. in and mm-hmm. away we would go. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like he used a combination of punishment and then power. Yes. So I'm going to pout, but I'm going to push, but I'm going to pout and I'm going to push until you relent. And so you're being punished, but then he's also using his power against your need for this to get back to some kind of status quo. Some kind of normalcy, right? Mm -hmm. Some kind of status Mm -hmm. quo. Yeah. Because otherwise you're unbalanced and you're off balance. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yes. I, 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 again, I would even to this day, I, I would describe myself as a pleaser. You know, I just mm-hmm. want to make him happy that I thought that was my kind of my role when you mm-hmm. make your spouse happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a bottomless pit, you know, you could, yes. <laughs> no matter how much I gave, no matter how much I did, it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what was the feeling inside as it became more and more apparent to you that you this disillusionment was becoming a reality. Right. Ask that again. I'm I'm not sure where I'm. What was the feeling inside as as it was was becoming more and more real that this wasn't a good situation? I mean, the feeling was a mix between almost desperation. Like, how do I fix mm-hmm. this? I was bound and determined to, to make it work. I, yes. I just didn't want to give up my, I, again, I'm the, the, the baby of four children and all of my siblings were still and are still married. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that's what you, you make it work, yes. you know? And so I, I, but it was desperation. What more can I do? I had given up everything. I had lost myself in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet it wasn't enough and, and it was becoming apparent it wasn't enough. And I was figuring out too, that slowly again, I, I don't, I'm a little, I I'm sad and disappointed that it took me so long to figure some of these things out, but mm-hmm. I realized that it wasn't my approval. He was looking for, he was mm-hmm. actually looking for the approval of his father, which he, I don't know if he has ever gotten to this day. I know he mm-hmm. never got it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was something he was missing, you know, mm-hmm. he, he really had a void in himself, but I was trying to fill some void that it really wasn't my place to fill. And I was losing myself in the mix. And yeah. it was, it was a feeling of just really desperation and, and knowing it's, it's not, I can never do It's It's impossible. I can never get there. And I empathize with you because of the pressure you were under, whether you realize it or not, from internally inside your home, but also externally. 
because if everyone is married, all your siblings, your mom, the pressure on you to not be the only one who failed must have been tremendous. Oh, even to this day, I, I jokingly call myself the black sheep. Um, mm. And of course, my family doesn't say that at all. Yes. But that's what I put upon myself. Mm -hmm. You know, that was mm -hmm. because it, it did. It, feel, it felt as if I was the only one who failed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, so t tell us how you survived this. I mean, what was the turning point? What did you find to finally try to climb your way out of this? Well, there was another cheating episode down the road when my kids were still in grade school. And at that time, I did um, ask him to leave the house. Mm -hmm. um, and he did. And we went through counseling. But at that point, he was using my children as pawns. Mm -hmm. And he would say to them, you know, oh, well, this is totally up to mom. You know, I, I want to stay together, you know, and they were too little to understand. Mm -hmm. And so again, after probably three or four months, I caved and he came back and, you know, things seemed okay for a while, but that was obviously, you know, I was getting stronger, but not strong enough. Mm -hmm. um, and then finally, I found a, a group that was supportive of people in difficult marriages. And that really is what finally turned the tide for me to see that Number one, I had support. I wasn't by myself. There were other people out there that were willing to support me and that understood because they were in the same situation. Mm -hmm. um, I remember walking into the room with all these women being so grateful that there were so many people there, but then feeling bad that they all had the same, you know, I'm like, oh gosh, I would never wish my situation on anyone. So then feeling oh. bad that I was grateful they were there. Um, that's kind of how twisted, you know, you, it's, it's a crazy making situation when yeah. you're with a narcissist because they, they mess with your brain. Um, mm -hmm. and you feel, you feel sometimes like you're the one who has done everything wrong. They, they mm -hmm. twist things. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how I felt when I got to this group, but, um, but they were wonderful. And the biggest, biggest, biggest turning point of all was I, in this group, I gave a testimony. And I had to stand up in front of these women and basically kind of tell them how I had no boundaries and how I had allowed this person to just kind of take over everything. Mm -hmm. And it was when I said it out loud in front of a bunch of people and I couldn't take it back that I finally kind of grew a spine, so to speak, and said, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I can't, I can't keep, you know, mm -hmm. caving in and, and allowing this to go on. This is, this is not okay yes and and, and i and i want to um congratulate you number one and tell you how courageous because first of all what happened is you heard yourself uh you heard yourself objectively but before that the courage that it took to look for a group so so re kind of reframe that if we if we may you reached out and so that took courage and so in some ways you were slowly, even though it was slow, you were taking your power back. This is mine. And I'm going to try to see what's going on here. I have the power to reach out. 
And so that was a really courageous step. A lot of people never even get to that step. Then to step into the group and tell your story is where you really took your power back. Yeah, I, and you're right. It is a scary thing to, to, to go out there. I mean, no one wants to air their dirty laundry, you know, mm -hmm. and you think you think you're the only one I yes. did anyway. I don't want to speak for anyone else, but mm -hmm. I thought, you know, I was the only one and, and, and his arguments were crazy making. He would, he would do something that would, 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 you know, be wrong, so to speak. And, mm -hmm. and, and then I would stand, try to stand up for it. And by the end of the argument, somehow he twisted it. And I was the one that was wrong. I honestly, to this day, don't know how it happens. Mm -hmm. I, I it's, it's such a, a thing. So to, to get beyond that and realize, no, I'm not doing this. This is, you know, I'm putting forth everything I possibly can. And it's not, it's not being reciprocated. So, right. <laughs> and to find out that you're not crazy. And I think as, as the listeners listen to each guest, there'll be commonalities. Everybody thinks they're the only one. Mm -hmm. And then everybody finds out they're not crazy because there are many people going through the same thing. So when you heard the other ladies, it kind of made you feel like, even though we don't want everybody to have a bad story, I'm not alone. They have stories just like mine. Mm -hmm. And so you weren't alone. Yeah. Hence, you're not crazy. Hence, you're not crazy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the first step. And so how are you maintaining yourself now as we begin to wrap up in the next few minutes? How are you maintaining and continuing to build your life back? Well, I did ultimately get a divorce, mm -hmm. which was probably the best thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. And not only did I prove to myself that I can take care of myself, but you know, I'm better off. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not just surviving. I'm mm -hmm. learning to, to thrive, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I have been dating and seeing different people. Mm -hmm. And while I don't necessarily trust my judgment, a hundred percent, um, I also have, you know, rejuvenated all my friendships and, and, and my family ties and all that. And, and they are good sounding boards to help mm -hmm. me, um, you know, be sure that I'm not making rash decisions and I'm not, um, you know, finding myself in the same situation because ultimately I'm still a pleaser. I'm still that person. Mm -hmm. And I don't really want to be a different person. I mean, I, right, you know, right. I feel like I have a good heart and I'm a giving loving person and, and those are wonderful qualities, but I can't let them be abused. Mm -hmm. I need to mm -hmm. find a, the person that will treasure them and not, you know, exactly. <laughs> And, and you've returned back to the, the colony of safety, which is your family and your friends. And so if you step out again, they can either go with you or they can help you uh, test the fruit of that new person stepping into your environment. And, and that's what you're saying. Well, exactly. It doesn't have to be either or. It doesn't have to be either or, but if I find you know, that they're giving me red flags, I, I'm, I'm going to heed those red flags as opposed to, you know, originally when my, you know, back, I told you my parents were, you know, trying to tell me to slow down. And I just said, Oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, if someone says that to me from my core group of people that I, you know, my 
family or friends that I've had for my life, I'm listening to those warnings and I'm paying attention. Yes, yes. And I, I can see, I mean, just in our conversation, how you went from innocence, you had a little bleep there. And then now the wonderful growth and the maturity um, that you've gained and the wisdom that you've gained. And we, it, sadly, we usually uh, find wisdom in our, in our rough places. Uh, yeah, I think that's yeah. <laughs> sadly, yes. But yeah, it is the hard times that, that, that mm -hmm. makes you pay attention and learn. And, mm -hmm. and I mean, I want to retain the parts of me that are important. Mm -hmm. And I still want to believe the very best in people and, and mm -hmm. see the best in people. Mm -hmm. um, but not to the extent that that you just stick your head in the sand, because you can't do that. And I learned right. that the hard way. You just can't. Mm -hmm. And you, and you go forward with the lessons, you know, I, I heard someone say we live forward, but we learn backwards. And so you <laughs> go back only for the lessons to, because if you don't pick up that jewel, that lesson, you're doomed to repeat yourself. Exactly. And that is tr probably my biggest fear is to repeat mm -hmm. that, you know, I mean, obviously having gone through that whole difficult process, you certainly don't want to just start over in another bad situation mm -hmm. so that's mm -hmm. probably my biggest fear mm -hmm. um but i don't want to you know not yeah. i don't want to just not live life i'm not right. going to do that either i'm just going to mm -hmm. proceed with caution and yes and that's wise we gain our wisdom we're wise when we're wise we slow down right when we're not wise we're we're impulsive yeah and, but, but your lessons are not only for you um, as you're, sh you're sharing to the audience, which I think is really, really beautiful, but they're also for, your lessons are also for your kids. So if you had to leave that one nugget to someone who's out there and they're really just needing something, they feel stuck and they feel like there's no way out, like many of us have felt at some point, what would be that one thing you could say that might release someone I would say, I think we really do know deep down inside when things are not right. We know mm -hmm. we're afraid and, and there's no shame in that. There's no shame in being afraid, but trust your support system, you know, whether it be your family or friends or neighbors, it doesn't matter if it's, if you have someone, anyone, a group that you can go to, what, whatever support system it is that will help you support and, and find that true, you know, thing that's in you eating away because don't ignore it. You know, mm -hmm. we, we do know it. I, I know I knew it. It was in my gut, but I just couldn't face it. I didn't want to deal with it. And I kept yes. shoving it aside. Mm -hmm. And I would say, you know, it's not going to go away. Um, if it's, if it's that, deep it's it's there and you have to look at it and deal with it and you will be so much happier once you do well that is the perfect ending and that is some wonderful advice and so but thank you so much i you know i appreciate you you know we talk we've been talking for many many years yeah. um and i just appreciate your role in my life um and that will continue and thank you for supporting our show and being willing to tell your story that may help someone. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. One person is all it takes to make a yes. difference.
thank you all for listening. And for more information about narcissism, you can follow me on LinkedIn or Instagram. Until the next episode, stay safe and healthy. Bye-bye.